So here's a 63-year-old white female uh, who's been obese since childhood, but total cholesterol 336, LDL 252, a zero calcium score, large particles, not small particles. And she's, she's not, F I often with these initial numbers, they'd say FH. And we, we don't have her on a statin because she has a zero calcium score. Welcome to the Fat Emperor podcast. I'm your host, Ivor Cummins. We're supported by the Irish Heart Disease Awareness Charity, which advocates a simple CT scan to reveal your CAC score. So know your score and take action to prevent that premature heart attack. Everything you need to know will be right here. Okie doke. <laughs> well, Ivor, we'll, we'll talk about what we do in the office every day. Uh, somebody comes to us often a family history of heart disease. Sometimes they've been told of a positive calcium score and or maybe they've had a heart attack recently and want to do prevention. So our job is to find out what caused the heart attack or the coronary calcium or the family history. Right. And so we use this as the basis. So we start with this conceptual approach. First, is it primarily a lifestyle problem? And that's always diabetes, prediabetes, or what we call pre-prediabetes. Or is it primarily genetic? And it can be both. And what we emphasized before is when we're talking about the lifestyle problems, you can have abnormal insulin secretion, a fatty liver, visceral obesity, the, the fat around your organs, including in your pancreas, high triglycerides, low HDL, small LDL and HDL particles, which are atherogenic, high blood pressure. All this can happen before you have abnormal oral glucose tolerance or an abnormal hemoglobin A1C. And that's what I've learned from the craft test and, and from you, frankly, that all this happens uh, you know, early on. Early on, exactly. And, and Arthur, there you have, of course, the metabolic syndrome components. Yes. But they're not so decisive because it's kind of a syndrome. There's five of them. You can have three. But the craft test cuts through all that. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And we've been doing this again for the past year. We've always checked coronary calcium, the size of LDL, HDL particles, we, and our advanced uh, our advanced genetic testing, which includes 9P21, LP little a. Uh, we look for familial hypercholesterolemia, uh, HDL dysfunction, small LDL without the atherogenic lipid profile, which is kind of unusual. So these are people, usually people with small LDL, you assume have the atherogenic lipid profile. There are occasional patients we find who have that. I have a great example, actually, who just is not insulin resistant, yet they have a small LDL, meaning we think it's still going to be atherogenic because it's not cleared efficiently. Right. So you've got all of the insulin resistance, yes. hyperinsulinemia <laughs> on the right up there, and I'll, I'll show this yeah. chart after. And that accounts for a huge amount of our cardiac problem, calcification, etc. But on the left, we've got a series of genetic tendencies that are more rare than the average hyperinsulinemic heart victim. 
but but they're all important because they're all individuals who have a special cause, I guess you, yes. you could say. And, and some are unknown. And mm. if you don't have any of this, this is going to be the majority of patients, You it can be mainly the genetic cause. Right. And then you have to treat that specifically. And more and more we're seeing combinations. And I have a good example of that also. Great stuff. I'm really looking forward to these patient stories uh, or cases, Arthur. But uh, just one quick thing there yeah. as well. You know, the special causes, you've got a bunch listed there. But for people to realize that, yes, a lot of it's hyperinsulin and all those problems. The low-carb community, for instance, is fixated on high HDL, low trigs, fixed insulin resistance, you're done. But there are all these things, and they're also lupus and even sickle cell disease, enormous calcification and heart disease in a person's teens. So it's important, really, people know there are a load of special causes you can't be happy just because you're not insulin resistant. This is a representation mm. and unknown causes. We we yeah. have a patient who developed celiac disease from a lot of antibiotics that knocked out his microbiome. Um, and he had had a not very high calcium score, not really high risk. And all of a sudden he had typical angina. And he, this was do it, he would get angina when he had gluten it was very interesting and it was actually documented he would have a vasospasm of one of his coronary arteries when when he had when he had gluten and so that's uh this mix of the microbiome and the and so much of it's autoimmune including type 1 diabetes so this is this is this is partial and what it means is it's so important there's so many things that working on uh, the type of LDL you have and that's mainly how long it's in the bloodstream um, but so many things that affect that barrier between the bloodstream and what I call the cholesterol pimple under the endothelium and whether the LDL gets gets underneath uh, so it's partly how long is the LDL-related particle, whether it's VLDL or small LDL, um, how long is it in the bloodstream susceptible to oxidation, which makes it sort of sticky, and that's what causes the atherogenesis, much more than the total volume. And that, that includes HDL as well. Yeah, and you know, there are some people, actually quite a few lipidologists who are fixated on the number of particles. And that, of course, is part of it. If you have much more particles, you can have more resonance time and oxidation. Or you may have a huge number of particles and you have no problem at all, as I think you've seen with FH people in their 70s with Um, zero calcium. Yes. Wow. But a key unifying thing is when there's all these different causes and they're so hard to identify in many cases, you really need coronary calcium to know if you're affected or not. And then if you are affected, even if you appear to be okay, you know you got to keep digging. That's the key. And actually, have family history is both sides, but it's not unusual for us to have a family where, say, the father had a heart attack in his his mid-40s and where the, 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 the wife or the, the mother is, their family, they've always lived to the 90s. So you have two sons, and whose genes did they get? 
Well, we've done this in their 30s, 40s. One, plenty of coronary calcium. The other, clean as a whistle. One got the father's genes. The other got the mother's genes. And then we try to hone down and, and see see what the target should be. So is it primary lifestyle? Is it a genetic cause? The majority are lifestyle on this side. Yeah. But, you know, especially within a prevention practice, we see all of these. And yeah. in fact, the case I'll show you are pretty much from the last month or so. Um, so and I think earlier, even your example earlier, even on LP little a, I'm just picking that yeah. one from the list. You can have people with huge LP little a with clean arteries in their 60s and 70s. Or you can have people with very significant disease <laughs> yeah. where LP little a is the only significant thing they have as an elevated risk and everything else is fine. So uh, yeah, it all it all comes back to the calcium again. Have you got a big problem or not? Yeah. So these these cases are going to be fascinating. Okay, doke. So the the first set we're going to talk about what I call the pre pre diabetes because you know traditionally you look at well usually at the A one C. So if it's less than five point seven five point eight, you're saying you're fine. Goodbye and good luck in most practices. Um, what we've learned to do in the, the craft, the craft test is no, there's risk, particularly for macrovascular disease, for, for heart attack and stroke and many other problems years and years before your glucose or hemoglobin A1C is high. And that's been, uh, since we've been doing the craft test for the past year, uh, that's been just such a game changer for us. And it's something we can really do something about. And um, so, yeah. I'm sorry. Oh, and I think, Arthur, as you mentioned on the phone a couple of weeks back, yeah, over the years, there were a lot of these guys who had A1C normal. They didn't have small dense LDL. You would assume they were non-diabetic, but it's really the post-glucose insulin, the crown yes. test, that's actually showed up what they got going on. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, if you had time, I could show you 50, but we'll, we'll just do a few. I know you have to make a plane, but that's, <laughs> so, so what we're talking about is people with normal oral glucose tolerance, normal A1C, less than 5.7. They often already have evidence of a fatty liver. They have visceral fat. That's when you're in the airport and you're looking around and you see these people with bellies. If they have fat there, they have fat in their liver as well and they're gonna have an abnormal craft test. Uh, they have a fatty pancreas, high triglycerides, low HDL, um, high blood pressure, small LDL, large VLDL, small HDL, and other factors as well. Or they may, they may have some of those, or all of them in rare yes. cases, or occasional ones. It, it, it's unclear, because it's a syndrome, which some people show up with some of these more than others, uh, but ultimately, it's very hard to hide the insulin. Yes. Yeah. And, and no, it, it, exactly. And you're absolutely right. And we see all those combinations and permutations in our practice. And so the big thing, well, is the cholesterol getting into your vessel? We know that from the calcium test. And is lifestyle really important, which we know from the craft, uh, from the craft test? If those are all perfect, and we'll look at some examples, then we have to you know, track down uh, what the other usually genetic causes. This is just a very conceptually very important slide because here is somebody's fasting blood glucose 
over many, many years. And back here when the glucose is normal, if they're insulin resistant, they have high insulin secretion, it's the higher insulin secretion that's keeping the blood sugar normal. So they're not going to be positive by American Diabetes Association criteria with a high hemoglobin A1C till all the way here. And why do they become positive? It's because they can no longer make enough insulin to keep their blood sugar normal. It's, it's fat in their pancreas that's limiting their beta cells. So the insulin goes down. That's when the fasting blood sugar goes up. And that's when they're diagnosed. But way back here, they have high triglycerides, low HDL, all those other what I'm calling pre-pre-diabetes, for lack of a better term. It should Dr. Kev call it diabetes in situ. Uh, yeah, it is a good term, like and, the carcinoma in situ. But pre-pre-diabetes is very evocative too. Yeah. It, yeah. So I'm not, I'm not sure which will do. But the point is, is you have all these mechanisms going on years before your blood sugar is normal, is, is abnormal, and you have macrovascular complications. And as Dr. Ralph DeFranzo, who's done probably more work in this uh, area than anybody shows, is the, your, your association of insulin resistance to two-hour post-glucose load is continuous. So between normal glucose tolerance, impaired glucose tolerance, type 2 diabetes, there really aren't, shut, uh, it, it's not strict cutoffs. It's all the same mechanism. And you can already be developing coronary disease, plaque as we'll see in patients, when your glucose tolerance is normal by current classification. Yeah. For sure, and I think from Kraft's 15,000 people or the 11,000 that failed with this diabetes in situ or pre-pre-diabetes, 55% of those would pass a glucose tolerance test and 93%, I think, were passing a fasting blood glucose. Yeah. So it shows you the enormous scale of the problem, how many unidentified people are being missed. Well, for your viewers out there, it's, it's the majority. Yeah. Uh, of wow. Americans will have an abnormal. Well, even by by studies of prediabetes, it's it's fifty five percent. And when you add the craft test, you go up to 80 percent. And again, look around the airport. Everybody with a belly will have an abnormal craft test. So if you have a belly, no matter what your doctor says, says, make sure you get a calcium score and a craft test. That's it. That's the pair. <laughs> That's two, a two hander. <laughs> Yeah. Now, just to show what's still happening out there, and we mm. see this, this is a gentleman who went to see the head of cardiac prevention at a major medical center. He had this belly. This is a, from a 3D fit machine we have, um, which actually uh, gives you a display. This means to me he's pre-diabetic, um, at least, or pre-pre-diabetic. And they didn't do a calcium score um, or a craft test. They did an A1C, it was 5.6, normal. And he said, goodbye and good luck. Turned out he had a calcium score done by his, his internist when he actually joined our practice, was 1,200. 
Um, and by the way, he, he was homozygous for 9P21. That's a gene that facilitates the cholesterol getting into the vessel wall. We don't know exactly how. It does not affect the size or the number of particles. Right, but it, the propensity for them to get in, infiltrate, transcytose, the whole process yes. of atherosclerosis is, is is accelerated for whatever reason in yes. these people. Yes, gotcha. exactly. And so this is from the CT, and this is around the heart. All this is excess fat. He's got quite a bit of fat under his skin as well. Um, and this is his liver here and here, his stomach, his spleen, and this is all this and this is all visceral fat. So this is all dangerous fat. And um, here was uh, his baseline, uh, you know, lipids. That's why he said goodbye and good luck. He had a pretty high HDL. I don't know if because maybe he was drinking. His triglycerides weren't all that high. His LDL was not all that um, high either. Um, and so he said goodbye and good luck. This is not unusual. And even his ratios were good, but yeah. which are usually much more powerful indicators. So he's he's got a clean sweep there. The low LDL, good ratios, high HDL, the whole lot, and that's August eighteen. So yeah. so this is his craft test. Uh, he goes up to and and for his age is unusual an insulin level of greater than two fifty. This is the ninety minutes, and it stays very high at the full two hours. So he is really insulin resistant. It's taking a while for his beta cells to kick in. So he has, to me, that means he has fat in his pancreas as well. Yeah. And you can tell from all the visceral fat. Yet he's producing enough insulin that his A1C was still normal. I don't think for long, but, um, and. And his fasting low going? sugar, presumably, uh, which is yep. always done, that was normal too. So just like yep. David Bobbitt, 900 score, massive diabetic dysfunction, um, but an A1C of 5.3 and fasting blood glucose of, oh sorry, I'm saying millimoles, I'm, I'm doing it in, yeah. a normal fasting blood sugar and a normal A1C yeah. and three blocked arteries. And you know? and this and the, 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 the you know, the craft test is so um, is so helpful here, and in this case, the genes also. With the if he had developed this in recent years, he wouldn't have a score of twelve hundred. And we'll sort of look at examples of that because the insulin resistance is acquired. So your triglycerides go up, your HDL goes down. The small particles may happen in your 40s, 50s, you don't have as much time to develop plaque. But when you have something like the 9P21 homozygous, this exposure is from childhood. So you've had much more time uh, to calcify your scar tissue and give you a higher score. Yeah. And so here is, he has chunks of calcium. This is his left anterior descending. Uh, this, this is going into a circumflex and these are huge chunks, right? Coronary also. So these have been around for a long time. So that's the combination of some insulin resistance, but also of this genetic exposure that he had. 
and something occurs to me there, Arthur, that when you see the picture, people might say, well, okay, it's kind of obvious he probably is not in good health from his body shape. Uh, however, there will be people with only a small stomach who has similarly good values, high HDL, okay ratios, who could be at just as much calcification and risk without looking quite so pronounced. They might just have a small, normal, shall we say, stomach in their 50s That's or 60s. such an important point. And, you know, uh, um, Dr. Lustig, you know, you know, makes the point that you're at higher risk to the degree you have a belly. But if you just go, for instance, by the, you know, BMI less than 30, you're not, you're not obese. Um, the majority of the insulin resistance, the abnormal craft tests come from that group. And again, I might do my, uh, my airport research, you know, you see a few really obese people, but for every obese person, you see a lot of people with bellies to my trained eye, but who don't consider themselves obese or even overweight, but they're clearly at risk. And if you bring in then the kind of genetic variants, you know, different yes. cultures, my <laughs> buddy, Dr. Naiman on the West Coast, his Indian extraction people, as soon as they get like five or seven pounds, pop out a small little tummy, his words were, bam, they're diabetic. Now, they won't fail a full diabetes test, they're diabetic in a test. I, I agree, and I think yeah. the next patient is going to demonstrate that. Excellent. Aha, uh -huh. yes, a 57-year-old Asian um. extraction and pretty thin arms and legs. The Asian extraction with a belly and you see him, he comes in in a suit and you don't think he's particularly fat. You know, this particular machine sort of really brings, brings this out. And, uh, but he did originally have high triglycerides, HDL not that low. Mm. Um, here's his LDL, but he came from out of the country. Everything was supposedly um, fine. Um, and here's his craft test delayed and high levels of insulin. He has very small LDL particles. This is the peak of his LDL, and this is the small to medium, very, very high. And this liver, spleen, his visceral, his visceral fat. Yeah. And um, this is uh, quite a bit of, of coronary calcium, but his primary problem was the pre-diabetes. Pre His A1C only 5.2 with this belly, that visceral fat, and this coronary calcium. So, um, you know, you, you miss his primary problem unless you do the craft test and the advanced blood testing. So just beginning on the diet is in his first month, um, triglycerides come down abruptly the HDL goes up. He was started on a statin also. So in the, the important thing of the statin was that it, it lowers his small LDL uh, values as well as the large LDL. It's the small ones that you're really after. The large LDL is not atherogenic. Quick favor to ask you if you could put this video on pause for just a moment and go to ihda.ie that's ihda.ie 
and have a look at the home page and scroll down to the share buttons and help us get the message out on the calcification scan and its ability to save the lives of many middle risk people who have no awareness that they've got major heart disease going on inside their body. So if you can do that for us, we'll keep the podcast free. And the reason the small ones are not cleared efficiently, they become oxidized, that makes them sticky. Yeah, and they don't fit the receptors. I think even yes. the shape, the small dense, I remember reading yes. a study once, the actual shape goes a little more discoidal or a little kind of ovoid. Yes. Uh, and then the receptor doesn't recognize so well as well. So you, you got a problem building up, basically. Yeah. yeah. This is the oxidation. So mm. any lipoprotein particle that's not cleared efficiently, whether it's normal size and there aren't enough receptors as in most familial hypercholesterolemia or people with HDL dysfunction, it's not a deformed LD, you know, particle, it's not enough receptors, but in other cases it's deformed particles, particularly in the pre-diabetes or pre-pre-diabetes or diabetes. Exactly, and then to be honest, those particles will have to clear. I think it's the LOX1 receptor on the endothelium, the wall of the artery. Yep. They will clear into the artery and contribute to uh, challenges yep. there. Yeah, absolutely. So, this guy, again, a candidate for statin, the CAC is almost 100, and it, recent studies have shown if you're 100 or above, you benefit greatly, perhaps low yes. CAC, not so much. And uh, so, he's getting everything right, his lifestyle fixed. Yes. which is the big thing and then he's lowering his particles and how, how's he doing now he, he looks he's cool. doing he yeah. came in um just <laughs> just last week and uh he's 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 doing doing very well and we'll have some good follow-ups now the other thing remember on uh, the last uh, fellow i showed had a calcium score of 1200 he clearly had the lifestyle but he had the genetic um, exposure from when he was young. So that's why he has a much higher um, level. But this this exposure is relatively recent. Um, we know it was about 10 years ago when he started put on weight. He used to play a lot more tennis, was a lot more active. And you you can time. We have another uh, case where we know where the, the, the patient's lifestyle deteriorated. Now, they will have relatively low calcium scores but they can be progressing fast. And so uh, that's where you, where the, the sort of how fast the progression is. We, we have people I've been you know, following for literally 30 years with very high calcium scores, but they don't have new particles. The process is stopped. So They're safe, I, and you'll see example. Yes, yeah, great. Exactly. Okay. Well, this is an interesting uh, case. <laughs> a 52-year-old who is from a South American company. He moved up north um, several years ago. He's from South America. He sold his company, moved to Miami, and he um, <laughs> and he had had a calcium score in his early 40s uh, in South America, and it was zero. Okay. And he came up and he had to beg his doctor to do another calcium score. And it was higher. It was, it was 83. This was March of 2017, just uh, more than a year ago. And he decided he better go on a diet and he lost 40 pounds. So this is him now. 
Um, and this is his craft test. This was still a high level, and it's it's it must have looked much worse when he was forty pounds more. Yeah. But this is still abnormal. He's still uh, relatively high at 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 two hours, and um, and so he lost uh, forty pounds, and we actually he had advanced blood testing, so his triglycerides in twenty sixteen. Before he, he he had that that uh, calcium score was 161 as he lost weight 117 and then down to 90. These were outside labs. It's uh, actually lower now, and we um, and his HDL went 45, 48, then up to 53. So this is his own lifestyle, his own low carbohydrate diet. And uh, the LDL, he was on a statin, so that, that came down. And we actually have the particles. So here is his HDL. This is the next HDL. Here it's 53. This is the one that, um, that we did yeah. last month. So the HDL, which, which started at 45, is now 61, all from the weight loss. Uh, triglycerides down to 66. Mm. Uh, that started 161. The total particle number was 1508, came down to 707. His small LDL from 173 to 130 with the weight loss, which is essentially normal. Oh, yeah. And um, the statin, though, of course, contributing. Yes. In this case, yes. yes, yes. In this case, he was only. He was only on a small dose. He was on five milligrams of Rosuvastatin. So most of this was his lifestyle. Now, so he um, he was under a lot of stress in the days when he wanted to sell his company. And he had gained 40 pounds, he says, mainly all in the belly. He moves to Miami, essentially retires, which can be stressful. In his case, he really relaxed, was able to lose the weight after he got the second calcium score. So we know these plaques are only um, really about 10 years old at most, many, maybe five years, uh, five years okay. old or less. I think you were saying, Arthur, that you know the initial lesion problem, it's around a calendar year later when the calcification commensurate with that will begin to come in? Yes. Approximately, okay. And so you can tell, so um, in other words, here's his left anterior descending artery. Here's a small plaque. Here's a larger one. This does not mean that this is more obstructive than this. It means it's had more years to calcify and get denser. And so the, the smaller and the less dense the lesions, the more recent they are and the more active the disease. So I showed you the fellow with a high 9P21 exposed since he was a child because it was he was born with that gene. Um, it was certainly exacerbated with his lifestyle. He was heavier from an, uh, an early time. But here's a guy where he had a zero score. It's all <coughs> it's all his lifestyle, his uh, you know his pre you know pre diabetes, um, and so and and so we know these are all less than ten years old, and were, were happening from the time he had a zero score, and from the stress, the weight gain, 
And so, but these are just as important, even though they're a lower score than the more dense. And what we find, I'll show you later, in the people we've treated aggressively, these large particles, they all, the particles become larger and denser, but you don't see the young particles. That's how you know you've controlled it. You can't just go by the score. And actually, this is what cardiologist uh, Dr. Ross in Australia, I remember mm -hmm. I interviewed him, he said, yeah, certainly the volume comes down when you're successful and the younger lesions can, can regress, but the tendency is that the older ones that are calcified pretty much generally stay there. And I, I mean, I can tell you after looking at these since 1988, yeah. the calcified plaques don't, don't regress. When, if you just do the score, you may get a lower score. That's technical. And one of the first studies, uh, done by the, the Nashville group, they said there was regression. It was actually regression to the mean. Um, certain people who were on statins tended to have lower scores, but that was, that was technical. When you look prospectively, you don't see calcified lesions dis disappear. And, uh, and, the and the interventions, though, there is a question mark out there where Regression is being seen in the score, apparently not just to the mean, but real, like like William Davis, as we said, at a study of 45 people, and around 21 of them over three years actually lowered the score, even up to 40%. But I think, though, the difference is he was using magnesium, vitamin D, fish oil, low carb, and a mild statin, and, and other interventions. His perception was only a massively multi-factor intervention will actually potentially lead to Well, I mean, theoretically, you know, chelation might. But my experience and others mm. who uh, have looked at these for many yeah. years have not seen... Uh, yeah. It also, you may see something disappear. We now follow um, literally yearly. We're not recommending that for everybody, but we're looking for new lesions. The thing is, this guy, we know he went from zero to 83, and so he has all these young lesions that were active. Now he's lost the weight, he's, everything's improving. I don't expect, I, I think these will all stabilize. But I'm gonna repeat the study because it's now minimal cost. It's not a significant amount of radiation until, this is the clear and present danger. Once I know there are no new lesions, the old ones next year, we'll see these get denser. We may miss one for technical problems. Um, but when you have five years in a row, you know exactly what's happening with all these lesions. And you can really tell if somebody's progressing or not. You can't, it's my score, don't use the score for saying, oh, your score went down. Over many years, your score will go up less, uh, as Paolo Raji has shown, and others. And that's, that's really the key thing. It appears that from Raji's study, that really slowing the progression right down, or dare we say it, stopping progression entirely, that confers a risk reduction that would be as good as reversing it, because 
the stopping of progression seems to put people's risk back to as if you had a zero score in the first place or a low score. Absolutely. Yeah, and so I'm going to bounce. I'm going to bounce up to. Um, sorry, this is a 71 year old who I have followed for many many years. Um, his calcium was 450 at age 54, and um, I, I have. Uh, we don't have to look at these, but this is going back to 2000. Here, and this is just we've been aggressive. <laughs> so, these are plaques that continue to get bigger. The plaque always starts at the beginning of the left anterior descending, and so these have gotten bigger and denser. His score has gone up, it's over actually over a thousand now. But where he didn't have lesions before is clean. This is the pattern you see when you stop progression, you don't see any of those young lesions. Right. And this is very important. Don't just say my score has gone up or gone down. You look at the old and the new side by side, or even if I see the new, I don't see any of those young lesions like we saw in that guy who we put on the weight. He went from a zero score. We know the whole process was young. And so you don't see any plaques like this. They're old historical ones that have just settled down to yes. kind of sarcophagus uh, is what I sometimes call it. It's just encapsulated in calcium and you're not making new ones and you're not uh, kind of aggravating older large ones or the edges of older large ones. You've just stopped the disease process and then your, your risk plummets. Uh, exactly. Seen, yeah. And now I followed people pretty much some from you know, 1990, who have scores that went up from the low hundreds, which was very high, and maybe they're in their early 40s, and they're, you know, they're much older now. They have high scores, they've been treated aggressively, um, and they're fine. Now, without the treatment, they, they wouldn't be fine. Mm. And so, um, it's the score, but it's the, it's the age of the lesion. So a virgin patient who comes in has never been treated and they haven't lost weight or gained weight. You, you have to put that all together. So it's the calcium score, but it's the age of the overall process. Yeah. And these people who are okay, they started with a couple of hundred, maybe way, way back. And were they like the Raji study? They were only rising around 10, 15% a year. Exactly, yes. And they can just keep steadily rising and <laughs> it's highly likely okay. So if you have a population of, of patients, you can follow uh, the score and the population mm -hmm. you treat will have less progression. And that's been shown. Now, if there's some controversy about, you know, does a statin you know, cause calcification? It causes faster healing. This is from intravascular ultrasound and angioscopy studies where they watch the lesion over a year after somebody's had a heart attack and has had a new plaque rupture and a new thrombus. And they, um, and so in the first year, if they're on a statin, it will heal faster. It's uh, less, less inflammation, other factors. So that lesion will calcify fast, be faster, but over years, the progression depends on new calcifications, new plaque ruptures, new degenerated plaques, that you're growing new soft plaques. That's, that's the way they, they start. So 
in, in a population uh, that's not treated, you'll have more new plaques, you'll have faster overall calcification. Um, but to see that, you know, the score can vary depending on how the beams are hitting everything. So it's very good to look directly and have some ex have some experience. Yeah, and of course, the serial scanning with it with a trained eye can really give you the comfort that new legion lesions are not being created, yes. and then you've arrived. Let the old ones just slowly right. finish off calcifying, sit there. What I tell my patients, because, well, am I not going to have a heart attack? I say, well, I can tell you, but you're going to see for yourself. You're not going to have new lesions. If you do, fire me and find somebody else who can stop it because I'm not yeah. doing the job I should. So that's, uh, I haven't figured it out. Um, now, this is a, um, <coughs> a young guy, only 43, Tofi, thin on the outside, fat on the inside. Mm. Here's his belly, not very big at all. Um, but this is his craft test, uh, a, a high insulin level, then coming back towards normal. Very small particles, um, some excess visceral fat. And you'd never say this guy. In fact, here's his skin. And here's the subcutaneous fat. Mm. He's thin on the outside, but fat on wow. the inside. Now, he his baseline was horrible. And this is a fellow who I saw. He went to a doctor said, you don't need statins. You just need a low-fat diet. Um, and he came back. It was literally um, this uh, last... Uh, May after he after he had a heart attack, so that approach didn't work. And here he had all this risk. Now he had high triglycerides, low HDL, you know, small particles. He had all this, and uh, and we had repeated his calcium score. This was a few years old, and he had a calcium score at age forty. Um, and then uh, when he was repeated at, at um, 43, he did have young plaques, which showed he continued to progress. And this was his initial LDL particle number off the wall, his small particle number, 674, um, and this is the, you know, and, and small particles. So here's one of the guys you see in the airport, <coughs> You know, fine, he was at high risk. By the way, I'm sorry, he also was um, 9P21 homozygous. Right, so again, so, you see that propensity, susceptibility. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. So the life, yeah, it wasn't um, the lifestyle alone, but he had the prediabetes. His A1C, where do we have his A1C? Yeah. A1C 5.1. Yeah, there yeah, you go. Look at his triglycerides. I mean, he had the metabolic syndrome. He had a normal blood pressure, but small particles, visceral fat, mm. you know, high this, but but no hypertension. And of course, and the craft belly, test picked up the whole lot. And the craft test yeah. picked up. Now, he's young, so he still had some good beta cell function. Mm. So he was mainly identified by the high insulin levels, and that's what you see in young people. They haven't had time to sort of destroy their pancreas. Yeah, so they get that big hump, that particular type pattern, and then falls off quickly. Mm.
Okay. Now, here is a 45-year-old. Oh, the one I should mention, you mentioned <laughs> the Asians. In Beijing, in Mumbai, they are approaching our levels of diabetes, but not our levels, the Western levels of obesity. The reason is they tend to put their fat in their bellies um, and not subcutaneously. So the friend that, that, that you mentioned uh, where the belly pops out, that's because they don't tend to store fat under the skin, the same fat. So here's a great example. Thin arms, thin legs, and look at that belly. This is what we call, um, from this test, they, they do the, uh, the, the body shape rating. And yeah. this is a, this is a horrible, this is ideal. This is as, as bad as you get. And you see that often more, more commonly, um, in Asians with less subcutaneous, um, fat. And look at his craft test is pretty. And old. yes, now he is diabetic. He's had A1Cs greater than 10. Ah, gotcha. Very non-compliant. So I wanted to show what happened. You know, once you're diabetic, but he's, but he's still, the fact he's producing his beta cells are producing, uh, this much insulin means he's potentially reversible. Absolutely. It's not burnt out. Yeah. That person could drop that. A1C over 10 down to 5.8 in maybe in a couple of months and we get have, the insulin right yes. back. We have him on a fasting regimen uh, now. And he's one where we go full keto with full uh, fasting because because we he's not always been so compliant. He disappears. And uh, so uh, we, we made a contract. And here is his very small, the peak of his LDL is the small particles. Yeah, typically. Which yes. is which is why he has the, all this calcium because he's he's been socking it in there for years. Yeah, what score has he got? So um, looks pretty high from the image. Yeah, his score. Yeah, no, this is a this is a super high score, and we didn't find anything else on him, but three thousand. Uh, 3,000 was his score. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow, that's a big one. Well, okay. we'll move on swiftly from that that man. Hopefully he yes. does well with the fasting. Yes. Yeah. Now, now it's, it's interesting. I didn't expect. Now, often with diabetics, they're no longer producing a high insulin level. Mm. It's just very delayed. His is very delayed, um, but he's still producing a high level. Oh yeah, and that's actually one of the fundamental mechanisms is is holding back the free fatty acids from your fat tissue. So that high insulin is holding back the torrent yes. of free fatty acids that's going to drive gluconeogenesis and all the other mess. But yeah, eventually the pancreas they keep going, it just gives up and the whole the whole show collapses. Just a quick break to remind you that this podcast is only possible due to funding from David Bobbitt and the Irish Heart Disease Awareness Charity. For middle-aged people, it is imperative to find out your heart attack risk by getting a CT scan of the heart and your CAC score. The new IHDA.ie website has all the scan resources. Please support us by visiting and sharing widely. Knowing your score, you can take action to stop the disease process and save your own life. It can even be as simple as removing sugar, refined carbs and seed oils, i.e. processed food, from your diet. And now we return to the conversation. So here's a 63-year-old white female 
uh, who's been obese since childhood, since she was, wow. and so she's coming to us as the magic diet doctors who are going to make her thin. She has a zero calcium score, an A1C 4.9. Um, she has large LDL particles. And this was her shape rating. She actually has a thin waist. She has some visceral fat, um, but, but not much. Now her, we haven't gotten, she's due for her craft test. She's just been reluctant. But she's been on a low carb, really ketogenic diet. She's staying on it. She's losing weight very, very slowly because she doesn't have the visceral fat to lose. But she feels so much better. She's staying on it. Her head's working better. I don't, you know, without the insulin resistance, I, it's just, it's, it's interesting. But the thing is, when I see somebody like this, and, and by the way, her HDL, um, always good not high triglycerides. As she did have a high triglycerides here. I have to take that back. Um, and, and, but total cholesterol, 336, LDL 252, a zero calcium score, large particles, not small particles. And she's, she's not, F I often with these initial numbers, they'd say FH. And we, we don't have her on a statin because she has a zero calcium score and she has large particles. So we presume she's clearing her LDL, that she has enough receptors in her liver. So yeah. or, the, or yeah. the pro-oxidant forces are relatively yes. lower or whatever. But that's interesting, a 250 LDL, and she is a form of hyper-responder to the low-carb diet, it looks like. Pretty much, she's no, no. She's feeling well with low carb, but not lo losing weight very slowly. Oh, right. But her LDL response to low carb and getting healthy is 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 quite high. Two hundred fifty two for LDL alone. But as you say, a zero yeah. COC looks like she has quite a history of high LDL as oh, well. Oh, no, she's actually she has. Yeah, no, she has popped this up. Yeah. Yeah. And no, her high LDL. She had been over three over three hundred in the past. Yeah. Yeah. So again, one of those cases where super high LDL, but, but no impact on the vascular disease, exactly. CAC zero, uh, because the other things and aren't going on there. Large mm. particles that are presumably yeah. being cleared. Yeah, very good. Now some, you know, with the homozygous 9P21, so this is, ah, there's circle 9P21. Mm. And <laughs> so, this is just a 42-year-old. Coronary calcium is present. He had a score of a few hundred. Here's, here's calcium here, calcium here. Um, very little visceral fat. I'm sorry, calcium here as well. Very little visceral fat and large particles and a normal craft test. Hmm. So... He's thin. Is he the only thing is the homozygous nine P twenty one? You can't see anything else there whatsoever. No. no nothing else that we wow. that we that we can see. And we do have patients where this is the only only thing. And again, he doesn't have uh, doesn't have a belly 
uh, his uh, his triglycerides and HDL are are good. Right. So that person may, with that propensity, NP or nine P twenty one, they may calcify and drive disease over life. But if he keeps everything else good, they may actually not end up with a very rapid calcification. Well, vulnerable. That's back. one where the homozygous is affecting somehow mm. um, the porousness of that endothelium. Yeah. So this is a case where we're saying fewer small LDL particles, even though he doesn't have excess, we're trying to decrease his LDL as much as possible. And we have had success. So when the endothelium is porous and we can't fix it because it's hypertension or it's diabetes, um, then we're just trying to get the LDL as low as possible. Yeah, because that is the vector that can be tackled. Yes. So it's a fair strategy. I think the problem today, Adza, really is the LDL is almost exclusively the thing to be tackled and all the rest is almost ignored. Yes. But in your case, you've got everything right with this patient. You know, it is a specific genetic thing with an endothelium that may be, you know, prone to leakage. And uh, you're doing all you can do is you're tackling the LDL vector. Yep. Which is absolutely fair enough. And this person, I wonder, even if you didn't do the LDL, I wonder what their progression rate might be with everything else good except for the 9P21. Might they be a relatively steady, solid progression, not so much vulnerable plaque risk? Well, our experience, and I showed you that first fellow yeah. who was, he was pre or pre-pre-diabetic, but yeah. had the score of 1,200. So again, if they have a high score when we see them, we assume they're progressors and we treat. Not after. everybody with 9P21 is high. Now, the other thing is, is we go after the, the relatives because uh, um, uh, the brothers, the, the children. And, you know, when do we do our first calcium score? You know, usually we, we wait till after age 40 and postmenopausally in, in women. But if there's a strong family history and if we see risk, we do it earlier. So if uh, the, the, you know, the father who had his first heart attack at age 45, the kids are in their 20s and 30s, and the father is homozygous, 9P21 homozygous, and he's had premature coronary disease, and we see one of the kids has, we, before we do the calcium score, if they're in their 20s or 30s, we'll do the advanced blood testing, including the 9P21. If they're homozygous, we will do the calcium score much earlier than we otherwise would. Perfect. And if we have plaque, then we start to treat them. And that's that's yeah. putting it. That's putting all this together. Exactly. It's integrating calcium scoring with all of the knowledge of craft and yes. more special conditions as well. But it's integrating everything, so yeah. every every person counts. Every individual gets the best preventative intervention. Yes. But Arthur. This is not happening in 99% of facilities, to be honest. This takes time. I, I, I showed you the fellow who actually saw the head of prevention um, in the medical centers. Uh, they don't have the time uh, to learn, to sit and to think. And uh, it, it's, it's a shame. It is a shame. But, okay, in your case and some other practitioners, you're getting this excellent standard of care. But... If it's simply not going to happen elsewhere, if we're realistic about it, then this kind of sit or 
citizen scientists or people taking responsibility for their own healthcare will become really important. I mean, maybe with Skype conversations with really informed physicians like yourself, also doing their own research, watching videos like this one, perhaps, people will need to save themselves if the system is too busy to, to give them really individual and care. That's the, the point of our mm. new book, which I guess uh -huh. I will shamelessly <laughs> say the, uh, you know, uh, the, the title, the keto, yes. the, yeah, it's the, the, the keto friendly uh, South Beach diet. Oh, excellent. Because the original South Beach I diet think it's was a, huge. I think it's a new. Yes, mm. yeah. The, well, the number of 23 million total South Beach diet books out there in the world. So, um, but we, we haven't uh, in, in many years. But the idea of this is give the book to your doctor. We see so many people are busy. Um, well, in the, in, the, in the past week, we had a um, few weeks, we had Bernie Sanders had a heart attack. Um, who was the other, um, there was some, maybe it was in town, Oh, yes, this is public. None of this is HIPAA. <laughs> um, the University of Miami uh, recently retired football coach um, had a heart attack. And as part of his physical, he never had the calcium score. I think he was certainly at the age where he should have had it. Um, this is all preventable. So people should have the craft test. So they're both simple and inexpensive. And by the way, so, you know, here, the normal craft test, this 42-year-old exercises regularly, is careful about his diet. He has a great lifestyle, yeah. but he's, he is at risk, yeah. but I don't have to hit him over the head. I'm certainly not going to say I have a low-fat diet. I mean, <laughs> you continue doing what you're doing. You have a normal craft test and you have large LDL particles. Yeah. So this is the uh, the tailoring. Um, HDL function is another issue that's often missed because we think, you know, HDL is the good cholesterol. And it is. The reason it was found to be the good cholesterol is the first studies done in the United States, the large studies in the 80s and 90s, most of low HDL were people with diabetes, pre-diabetes, or pre-pre-diabetes. Yeah. And so they tended to have low HDL. Um, you go around the world in, in Turkey and in, uh, in small towns in Italy where they have the APOA1 Milano, they have very low HDLs. They have no coronary disease. It's HDL function. Yes. And so, but in this country, most of the low HDL is from insulin resistance, high insulin secretion pre-diabetes or pre-diabetes. So that's why low HDL um, looks so bad. And we say you have a high HDL, you're safe. HDL dysfunction is relatively rare, like all these, compared to insulin resistance. And so here's your um, very high, it's usually very high HDL. Um, so this is a patient just from, from last week. <coughs> HDLs in the 90s, um, calcium score of 165, A1C 4.8, normal craft test, large particles, and in this particle distribution, what you see here 
is what, what there are different names for the large uh, HDL. Uh, it's called we call it HDL2, but the the smaller um, HDL goes to the vessel wall. It picks up cholesterol from the vessel wall. Or there's an ABCA1 receptor there, and when people with prediabetes, the, that receptor is down-regulated, so the HDL doesn't work, and it doesn't get bigger from picking up that cholesterol. That's why with diabetes, you have low HDL. It's not carrying a lot of cholesterol. But once it picks it up, then it brings it back to the liver where the SRB1 receptor clears it. It also can be cleared through uh, through our cholesterol ester transfer protein to LDL and then through the LDL. And the the drugs that were used to block that cholesterol ester transfer protein didn't clear it, so it stuck around. The HDL wasn't cleared and it got oxidized and you know they lost a lot of money on those drugs. It increased the HDL but not the HDL function. But yeah. Um, it actually, I think, also in some of those CETP inhibitors, it lowered LDL and raised HDL and yet increased events. So, yeah, yes. that was a backfire. Yes. But here we've got high HDL levels on paper, but the functionality or efflux capacity is, is impaired. Yes. But yeah. And the reason you can see this um, with this ion mobility test, so, you know, large particles, so it's not small particles, and normal craft test, so it's not the lifestyle. But here we see what we call the, the HDL bump. Because if the HDL is picking up the cholesterol and dumping it off in the liver, then the relatively the small and the large HDL are about the same. But if once you pick it up from the liver, you don't have SRB1 receptors, just like the LDL receptor mm. in familial hypercholesterolemia, if you don't have enough of them, you don't clear. So it hangs around in the blood. You see a higher level. This is the HDL bump. And this is the HDL that gets oxidized, becomes like the Velcro, sticks to the vessel wall. So even though it's not an abnormal size, it's not being clear. It's getting oxidized and it's causing the atherosclerosis. And a bit like craft patterns, again, it's the pattern of the HDL yes. kind of dynamics that <laughs> gives you the clue. Yes. Right. And, and this is a thin patient, but now we know, we, we know it's all the HDL dysfunction. Or at least predominantly, that's the special cause. In, yes, in this. that might again we are talking relatively rare. I think there's there's a few versions of this HDL dysfunction. One of them is one in a couple of thousand people, but then there's some other ones. Suppose you add them all together, it can, you know you're occasionally going to see guys it's, like this. It's mm. it's uncommon, but not rare. Right. We have many. We have you know probably ten families. Uh, with this, and you know, and the the patient is thin, athletic, and their parent died at fifty of a heart attack. Was wow. a specific case. Brothers already had heart attacks, or sisters. Um, one patient, very horrible family history. The higher the HDL, the more the dysfunction. The bigger the bump. It's not being cleared. 
So we have a woman with an HDL of 145, loads of premature coronary disease in the family. And in her specific and case, is she presenting yes or <laughs> no? no. Well, I mean, we, we get her LDL as low as possible, and there are some medications that upregulate up the SRB1 receptors a bit. There was one that was taken off the market. It should come back. It's a bit of a, I'd rather talk about it off camera, but, but um, that, that actually did prevent atherosclerosis in animals, and uh, it, it lowered HDL because it was helping the clearance of HDL. Right. Um, you know, the, the APOA1 Milano from a town in Italy that they inject in it, it causes regression of atherosclerosis. Their total HDLs are 17, but the HDL is picking up the cholesterol, dumping it off. It's like super hypercharged. There's, so there's never that much HDL in the bloodstream it's being cleared so fast, but it's working super well. Rapid so again, it's the function, yeah, rapidly getting out of the system, not getting oxidized. And the, the people from, from that who have the APOA1 Milano, they don't have coronary disease. That's, that's how they chose it. They haven't been able to isolate it. They have isolated, but not in a way yet that's, uh, that doesn't cause bad side effects. I think they're yeah. still working on it. Milano's out a long time and then there was disappointing trials because like you said they, they couldn't isolate it the magic but recently there's a claim six or eight months ago I think of a trial I, I saw Milano pop up again claiming a 30% reduction in events with a Milano variant being used in some trial but I'm not sure I just saw a Medscape headline somewhere oh okay so I, mi I missed it I'd, so I'd love to see it but that's um, maybe coming back yeah the first one they, they made it from bacteria and it caused anaphylaxis in some patients and that's the one showed regression on intravascular ultrasound but they couldn't use it because of the anaphylaxis collateral so that's HDL dysfunction. Oh, here's here's the patient, no belly fat, normal. Um, and here's, um, here's her coronary calcification from the HDL dysfunction. And she actually has a particularly big liver. It's on both sides. That was, it's, it's a normal variant, but there's no visceral fat. No visceral fat, no fat here. And so, and a normal craft test, so that's not her problem. Um, 68-year-old female. Yeah, for a female still, looks like a substantial amount of calcification. Not yeah, very high, but... Not, 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 not very true. In fact, she does not want to take statins. So she's yeah. one that we're following. Um, we can see all of her lesions. So what we're saying is, you know, she may be going slow enough. If she has more lesions, oh. then we're going to... We're going to treat her. Um, but there's not much else she can do in the meantime. You're you're seeing no particular kind of trigger there, or right? If if we see a new lesion, then we uh, we negotiate. So yeah, we're, okay. we're nice to some people who don't want statins. Now, genetic small LDL. Um, so <laughs> here's here's a patient, um, forty six. Calcium score of 109, this is really high for a 46-year-old. And he's got small LDL, so does he 
you know, uh, does he have prediabetes? Well, he's got a flat belly, he exercises yeah. all the time. This is for years. Um, plays a basketball player who also does judo. Um, this is his, he has ideal body uh, shape index uh, yeah. by our magic scanner. Normal craft test, no visceral fat, but he's got small particles. So mm. um, now we haven't found, and he has a family history of heart disease, of premature heart disease. So this is all we found in him. We're getting his LDL and we're, we're lowering the small LDL with a statin. Right. Is, is LDL... has a better idea, let me know. <laughs> oh, no, but you, you got to deal with the patient in front of you and uh, whatever you can do. And if yeah. the calcification is there in 109, it's over 100 in and a young patient. A young patient. That is very, very significant disease and can benefit. Thanks for tuning in guys. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see my subscribe button in the middle of the screen, a free viewing of the Widowmaker movie on the far right, and myself and Dr. Gerber's book, Eat Rich, Live Long, on the left. Otherwise, please do subscribe to the audio podcast. Thanks.